Over the last few centuries, economics has been dominated by the doctrine of perpetual growth. The prevailing idea was that there were no limits to how much we could exploit Earth and its resources. Today, we know better, but sadly, we still behave as though we did not. From you and Aligned, I am Ayana Yekrangi, and in this episode of The Gordian in Audio, we'll talk about the donut economy and how humanity can thrive on it. Look in that hole, you can see that millions or billions of people worldwide still fall short on their most basic of needs. And yet we've already overshot at least four of these planetary boundaries, risking irreversible impacts of climate breakdown and ecosystem collapse. This is the state of humanity and our planetary home. As Kate Rayworth states in her book Seven Ways to Think Like a 21st Century Economist, the citizens of the next few decades are being cultivated in a mindset that is obsolete for the 21st century, as it is rooted in the textbook of 1950s, which in turn are rooted in the theories of 1850s. This, she points out, is proving to be a veritable disaster. Kate Rayworth first introduced her visual representation of what a healthy economy could look like in a 2012 Oxfam discussion paper titled A Safe and Just Space for Humanity. Can we live within the donut? The donut represented the safe space where humanity could thrive, sandwiched between its inner and outer limits, namely our social and planetary boundaries. So imagine humanity's resource use radiating out from the middle. That hole in the middle is a place where people are falling short on life's essentials. They don't have the food, healthcare, education, political voice, housing that every person needs for a life of dignity and opportunity. We want to get everybody out of the hole, over the social foundation and into that green donut itself. But, and it's a big but, we cannot let our collective resource use overshoot that outer circle, the ecological ceiling, because there we put so much pressure on this extraordinary planet that we begin to kick it out of kilter. Rayworth's 2017 book develops the idea further. On the one hand, she highlights how past economic theory has failed to grasp the full picture, while on the other, she cautions that the picture is not a static one and as such requires a flexible and evolving approach. The seven ways she explores are simple, well-researched, grounded and achievable. In this episode, we'll go through each and one of them. One. Changing the goal. Rayworth's first point concerns gross domestic product, otherwise known as GDP, which is generally accepted as the standard measure to assess value created through the production of goods and services in a country during a certain period. GDP is a cuckoo in the economic nest as a measure of progress because it tends to throw all other considerations out of the nest. Moreover, since its introduction 70 years ago, it has bound economies to a never-ending race. Indeed, the momentum of unbridled growth provides governments with certain perks, such as the increasing of tax revenues without the need to resort to unpopular move of raising taxes, and the reduction of unemployment. However, the collateral damage is not worth the price. Onwards and upwards is no longer a fitting metaphor for the economy. 
Instead of pursuing ever-increasing GDP, it is time to discover how to thrive in balance, reigning in indiscriminate growth in order to preserve our social fabric and planetary equilibrium is not a luxury, but a matter of survival. The image presented by the donut highlights the boundaries that need to be respected in order to ensure stability and well-being. Though simple, this image requires effort and creativity to thrive, as well as the consideration of all other factors, such as population, distribution, aspiration, technology and governance. GDP does not even come close to securing this safe and just space. And then, the question beyond, where history offers us only fragments. What to do when the increase in real income itself loses its charm? In a few decades' time, we will look back, no doubt, and consider it bizarre that we once attempted to monitor and manage our complex planetary household with a metric so frickle, partial and superficial as GDP. Two, seeing the bigger picture. Seeing the bigger picture involves transcending limited economic models that distort a clear perspective. Paul Samuelson's circular flow diagram, for instance, presents a ruling economic picture that appears closed and complete, as one dynamic feeds into another. In reality, however, it is utterly flawed and misleading as so many factors are left out of the equation. It makes no mention of the energy and materials on which economic activity depends, nor the society within which those activities take place. This is a serious problem because putting our faith in these models has taken us to the brink of ecological, social and financial collapse. Rayworth offers a wider perspective including unpaid work that often makes everything else possible. Three, nurturing human nature. One of the main criticisms against the donut economy is a dramatic change of human nature would be necessary for it to work, as people would have to magically cease to be acquisitive and competitive. The fact is that Rayworth is far from naive in this respect. She nevertheless rightly points out that human nature is far richer. Portrayals of people as self-interested, calculating and inflexible become self-fulfilling prophecies, Indeed, human integrity is easily eroded. Simply encouraging people to see themselves as consumers rather than citizens, for instance, can produce very detrimental results. One of Rayworth's example of how human values can be easily undermined concerned an experiment at a school in Israel. Fines were introduced when parents turned up late to pick up their children. But instead of reducing lateness, it increased it as parents saw the fine as sort of payment. When the experiment was terminated, the late pickups rose further still. The price had gone, but the guilt hadn't come back. The temporary marketplace had, in essence, erased the social contract. The same erosion takes place when financial incentives are used to promote decent behaviour. Inversely, cultivating human nature and emphasising trust in the community and pride in one's cultural heritage produces very positive results. Four and five. Getting savvy with systems and designing to distribute. In order to progress in the right direction, 
it is necessary to abandon economy's elusive control levers and start focusing on an ever-involving, complex system. Economics is a very particular sort of science. It ticks differently. When Alfred Newton lost his savings to a 1720 South Sea bubble, he lamented, I can calculate the movements of the stars, but not the madness of men. An effective approach, therefore, involves keeping a finger on an economic pulse. This system must also be inclusive. Sadly, economics is still cavalier about its moral obligation and well over 2,000 years behind medicine when it comes to honouring the ethics of its own profession. These obligations should involve service to human prosperity, respecting the autonomy, engagement and choices of communities, minimising risks and working in a spirit of openness and ongoing evaluation. In a word, recognising that inequality is not an economic necessity, but a design failure. History has taught us that economic growth will not reduce inequality by itself. It needs to be managed. Today's economy is divisive and degenerative by default. Tomorrow's economy must be distributive and regenerative by design. Six, creating to regenerate. You see, 20th century economics assured us that if growth creates inequality, don't try to redistribute because more growth will even things up again. If growth creates pollution, don't try to regulate because more growth will clean things up again. Except, it turns out, it doesn't and it won't. And here's the hub, people power. Our author highlights how the trickle-down economy just does not work. The Kurtznitz curve, which predicts that developing market forces first increase inequality, but then decrease it, is a myth. Only last year, another Oxfam report titled Time to Care confirms the fact. Economic inequality is out of control. In 2019, the world's billionaires, only 2,153 people, had more wealth than 4.6 billion people. Despite the fact, however, the powerful few cling to the fallacy. Many people actually believe that rather than offering protection, hard-earned policies like minimum wages and labour unions are barriers that need to be dismantled. As Opton Sinclair puts it, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding. Equally worrying is that the Kurtznet's illusion is being applied to other issues, such as the environment. Even if the environmental Kurtznet curve were true, Rayworth points out, the reality is that it would not be a solution, as we would not survive its peak. Several regenerative ideas are put forward. These include taxing non-renewable resources rather than labour, giving people a stake in robot technology, tiered pricing, higher prices for non-essential use, and redefining money. Rather than gaining value for sitting pretty, it actually lost value over time. Positive initiatives are of course taking root all over the globe. Many of these, Rayworth explains, also involve open source technologies and ideas. The COVID-19 crisis we are facing just goes to prove how devastating patents can be. Big Pharma has recently blocked developing countries from producing their own vaccines, even though the companies in question cannot even keep up with the demand and honour their own commitments. Letting people die is not what progress is about. What is required is an economy that is regenerative by design, one that overcomes the take, 
make, use, lose, throw away dynamics. This century needs economic thinking that unleashes regenerative design in order to create a circular, not linear, economy and to restore humans as full participants in Earth's cyclical processes of life. Seven, being agnostic about growth. What Rayworth means here is weaning ourselves from our addiction to growth and approaching it cautiously. It's time to think again, to reimagine the shape of progress. Because today, we have economies that need to grow whether or not they make us thrive. And what we need, especially in the richest countries, are economies that make us thrive whether or not they grow. This statement sums up the vision, one that is certainly within our reach despite humanity's current collision course. Tokenistic or halfway measures, however, are no longer enough. More stringent measures are needed than those that even organisations like the United Nations propose. Nevertheless, the question we need to ask ourselves now is not how on earth, but why on earth not? Donut Economics sets out an optimistic vision of humanity's common future, a global economy that creates a thriving balance thanks to its distributive and regenerative design. UN Aligned endorses the donut economy. Its benefits are clear and its flexible roadmap is a safe trajectory for the foreseeable future. Kate Rayworth's book is easily available and you can also watch her explain the donut economy herself by turning into her TED talk titled as A healthy economy should be designed to thrive, not to grow. No doubt implementing the necessary changes will not be easy, particularly when monster industries like meat and dairy will need to be targeted. But the only other alternative is destruction. Pure and simple. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Gordian in Audio. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with someone who you love. If you hated it, well, share it with someone who you hate. This episode was written by Adrian Liberto and narrated by Ayana Yekrangi. If you'd like to read more articles like this, please visit www.un-aligned.org.